We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for October 14th, 2012. Next article, which segues from the last one, um, and it's from uh, PhD Don Boys, who I've known for a long time, and it's called The Dirty Little Secret Islam Doesn't Want You to Know. The Palestinians Don't Exist. I kind of lengthened the title a little bit because I wanted to have it have a little more punch to it. Um, the Palestinians as a people, essentially, as a race, as a nation, they don't exist. We're going to prove that. There's a link to the actual main article here. There is no such group as the Palestinian people. They have never existed, uh, do not exist now, and will not exist in the future. They are the only people in all of history that came into existence in one single day. This was admitted by Walid Shubat, a former PLO terrorist. Quote, why is it that on July 4th, 1967, I was a Jordanian, and overnight I became a Palestinian? End of quote. He added that he did not mind the Jordanian rule. He and his compatriots were Jordanians until the Jews returned to Jerusalem. Then, all of a sudden, we were all Palestinians. Shubat was saying that when the Jew retook their historic and biblical homeland, the myth of the Arab-Palestinian nation was created out of thin air and promoted worldwide. And the gullible media, too lazy to do the research, still spouts the PLO line about the Palestinian people. Now, I've gotten a lot of emails from people over the years saying, oh, these poor... This Wicked, wicked Israel's forced all the Palestinians off their land and, and, and all of this stuff. And we're going to be looking at that today. And, and we're going to be looking at that whole subject here. And again, I'm not saying that the Zionists in high Jewish government or high level Illuminati are good people. I'm not saying that at all. I, yeah, they're as wicked as they come. But I'm also not going to throw all the Jews out like the baby with the bathwater and just condemn the whole race because of... Um, horrifically evil people they've got at the top of their food chain who call themselves Jews, as the Bible says in Revelation, but they're not Jews. They're of the synagogue of Satan. So let's go further here. Those people who are identified as, quote, Palestinians are simply refugees from Jordan, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia. However, there are millions of these people who were born in refugee camps and have been taught they are Palestinians. See, over time... At the time, people were like, what? We're Palestinians? What's that? You know? Huh? But see, now you've had generations since then, because this was decades ago, that have been taught you are Palestinians, and this is your heritage, and you are that. So then they could say, well, we need to have a two-state solution, because we need to have a place for the Palestinians and a place for the Jews. Okay? So they want to divide Israel up even further than it's already been divided. And we're going to look at that, how much it's been divided um, since then, so they are, uh, but these are not Palestinians. In 1948 and the 1950s, the displaced Arabs lived in abject squalor in refugee camps, supposed to be temporary, under the custodial care of the good old United Nations. Muslims, Muslim leaders did not even care about them until it became politically expedient to do so. There are no Palestinian people or history or culture or coinage or language or uncovered artifacts. Palestinians don't exist and never have. 
Muslims in the media that promote Palestinians are repeating a lie and resisting the facts. All in order to, you know, obviously give Islam this and the Muslims there a protected status. Israel was originally called the land of Canaan, see Genesis 12.5, or the land of Israel, 1 Samuel 13.19, or the land of Judah, Isaiah 19.17. The first century Jews had a thing about being under the thumb of Romans, or anyone, so they seethed in constant hatred and rebellion against their oppressors. The Roman emperor Hadrian was understandably, from his totalitarian view, displeased with this rebellious uh, Jewish population, or Israeli population and wanted to erase the name of Israel and Judah from history and the face of the earth. He decided to ridicule them by renaming the land of Israel Syria Palestinia. Okay, and there's a link to that if you want to learn more about this renaming of the land Syria Palestinia. Why did he do this? So they would be identified with their hated enemy, the Philistines. What Rome called the land, the Jews Whatever Rome called the land, the Israelites were still the Israelites. And from the term Philistines that the name Palestinians have been taken from, Emperor Hadrian knew that the Philistines were ancient enemies of the Jews, and therefore the emperor showed his hatred and spite by giving Israel a new obnoxious name. The Philistines were not Arabs, and were in fact invaders from Crete. There is no mention of Palestine until the first century, And Palestinians are not mentioned in the Bible or the Quran because they did not exist until after 1967. The, in 135, this Emperor Hadrian put down a Jewish rebellion, killing 580,000 Israelites, leveling 985 villages in 50 fortified towns. That is why Jewish writers refer to him by saying, may his bones be crushed. They, they, don't, they don't have a lot of love lost for this Emperor Hadrian. It didn't work out. It didn't work and it never will work. Um, Zechariah 2.8 says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. He's referring to Israel here. Israelites, while even in rebellion, are special to God. And we've proven this over and over again. Okay, God promised, and it's not like I believe, like John Hagee, where they get some special pass, and they, I believe in ethnic salvation, that they are saved just because of their Jews. I don't believe that at all. They've got to get saved the same way we do. I'm just trying to have biblical balance here when we talk about the subject. God promised and warned in Genesis 12.3, quote, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, Um, Hitler and the Jew haters discovered that verse to be literally true. Muslim nations have not, have not learned this lesson yet, but their day is coming. (laughs) The Palestinians are a bogus, are bogus, a political show, and it's time to pull the curtain on the charade. And again, it gives all of his, Don Boyes's, um, he, he's went over there like 14 times. He's a former member of the Indiana House of Representatives. He's authored 14 books. Uh... He's got, um, he's on the second edition of his book, Islam, America's Trojan Horse. Um, he's got several websites, thegodhaters.com. I think that's a bit, that's basically relating to this. And um, the muslimfact.com. 
Anyway, there's more websites here if you want to click on them. And I received permission from him to publish this report. Just so you know, I I wrote that in there. I I asked him if it was okay if I went over this information. So, again, and I've I've done, I've went over this information before, but I'm just going to recover very shortly. Israel is bordered by 22 hostile nations, Arab Islamic nations, that are 640 times her size. 640 times her size. And 65 times her population. It's probably more than that now. Jewish population worldwide at the time of this writing was 13 million. Arab population worldwide is 300 million. Now, again, you show Israel superimposed on a map of Florida. And it's just, it looks like it's about, oh boy, if you took the landmass, one-fourth to one-fifth the size of Florida, if that, um, what Israel has given away for peace. It shows in 1967 the land they controlled, and then in 1993, uh, the majority of what they had controlled was given away. The majority. It looked like they kept about one-third of what they had controlled in 1967. Then by 2001, they had given away another huge part of it. And the, the, the picture's right here. It's all this land for peace garbage. It always works real well. All it really ever does is they move the rockets in a little bit closer so they can get a little bit better shot on the Israelites. You know, it's proven. And Israel is a nation one one-nineteenth the size of California. And it is one of the smallest nations on the face of the earth. Only about 8,000 square miles of landmass, and it is roughly two times the size of Rhode Island, which is our smallest state in the United States. Yet, Israel's this big usurper, always gobbling up land, driving the Palestinians off their land, and we've got to have a two-state solution, even though they occupy, you know, the, the, the lands around them are 640 times her size. 640 times her size in the Middle East. Yet, the Muslims have no place to go. (laughs) There's only 640 times the land of Israel around her. But Israel's this terrible usurper that just eats and gobbles up land. and They've given it all away. They've they've given away over two-thirds of what they even had in 1967. Land for peace. Thinking that's going to... All it does is make things worse. And now they want a two-state solution? It's insanity. For the sake of the Palestinians that were never a race, never had a language, never had coinage, never existed, but were all of a sudden born as a nation overnight because it was expedient for Muslim propaganda to do so. Total garbage and lies from the pit of hell. Just yet more Muslim lies, fruit, and garbage that I've documented week after week after week. Hey, if it's evil, the Muslims are going to be into it. And as long as it advances the agenda of Allah, it is perfectly, perfectly permissible and encouraged to lie to the infidels in order to advance the agenda of Allah. And I, I went over those verses last week where it says to do that. It says Allah is the greatest of all schemers. And obviously his adherents should also be the greatest of all schemers as well in order to advance his agenda. You know, the moon god Allah. Not the God of the Bible, that's for sure. Anyway, the next article is by Don Boys again, and it's entitled, Muslim Leaders Admit. The Muslim Leaders Admit the Palestinians don't exist. Straight from their own mouth. The Palestinian people don't exist as a historical group, but they do exist as a political ploy and are used by the PLO and other Muslim extremists for their own selfish purposes. These Palestinian people are refugees 
from the Middle East, whom the Muslim nations will not accept as citizens, but will use as grunt workers in their fields and orchards. The refugees are welcome as workers, but not as citizens. By leaving the refugee camps, they better themselves as migrant workers, but are without any hope of citizenship from their brother Muslims. However, they have been and are being used as pawns to further the political agenda of their fellow Muslims. Any honest person will recognize that there is no mention of the name Palestinian, pa- Palestina in history before the Romans gave the new hated name to the province of Judea. Remember the whole thing that we just described. This fact was admitted by Professor Philip Hitty, an Arab historian, and who declared, quote, There is no such thing as a Palestine in history. Absolutely not. He's an Arab historian. King Hussein of Jordan was the only Arab leader that showed any sympathy toward what was called the Palestinian Arabs. In 1960, he stated, quote, Since 1948, Arab leaders have approached the Palestine problem in an irresponsible manner. They have used the Palestine people for selfish political purposes. This is ridiculous, and I could say even criminal. The king was correct. I started going to Jordan in the Middle East just after, now this is Don Boyce speaking. He said, I started going to Jordan and the Middle East just after the 1967 Six-Day War, in which Israel sent the nine Muslim nations arrayed against them, running for cover. And I've been there 14 times since then. That doesn't make me a Middle East expert, but I became convinced that King Hussein, who died in 1999, was the most reasonable and kind Muslim leader in the Muslim world. He shocked the world when he recognized Israel as a nation in 1994, much to the chagrin of other Muslim leaders. Um, if you don't know what chagrin is, it's like unpleasantly surprised, basically. Uh, anyway, unknown to the world, Hussein wanted peace with Israel, and secretly negotiated with Israel's leaders and the U.S. officials. Hussein was probably like one of the best as far as the um, Muslim leaders that we've just are systematically removing in order to install more radical, much more radical Islamic leadership in these countries so they'll be ripe to go to war with Israel when the time comes. These other ones really didn't want war. With Israel, a lot of them did not want that because they had half a brain in their head, and they knew that it was probably, you know, from a militaristic standpoint, possibly suicide going against Israel. Okay, I mean that was probably one of their motivations, not their only, but anyway. Uh, so, unknown to the world, Hussein wanted peace with Israel and secretly negotiated with Israel's leaders and the U.S. officials. The private talks took place in London at his home of Hussein's Jewish physician. He had a Jewish physician. In 1970, Hussein kicked the PLO, or Arafat, out of Jordan. It must be remembered that Arafat, while leader of the PLO, was an Egyptian, not a Palestinian. But then no one is a Palestinian, (laughs) as we've proven. Syrian dictator Hafaz Assad, who is the father of the present dictator, told the former PLO leader, Yasser Arafat, quote, You do not represent Palestine as much as we do. Now, this is the Syrian dictator saying this. And then he goes on to say, quote, Never forget this one point. There is no such thing as a Palestinian people. There is no Palestinian entity. There is only Syria. Remember, these are comp- these people that are supposedly Palestinians are compilations of the nations around them. They're not Palestine. 
There's no such thing. So, do not, or Palestinians, um, do not, do you think the media should finally get the point? Palestinian people do not exist except as a political ploy. It's it. But it's the whole basis of this two-state solution. That the United Nations, United States, and uh, basically the whole world has been pressuring, pressuring, pressuring Israel to implement. And again, they've seen how well Land for Peace has worked. <laughs> Why not create that too? And the Bible talks about them that want to divide the land of Israel. You know, how his judgment will be upon them. Uh-huh. I've read those verses many times. Not something I want to be involved with. Next article. Pedophilia, Muhammad, Aisha, Islam, and child brides. Um, now, this was written by a Christian ministry, and they said, I needed to edit and correct this article because I've learned some new details. Initially, I believed what many Muslims asserted, that Muhammad sexually consummated his marriage to the nine-year-old Aisha following her first menstrual cycle. Sorry, um, but i got to say this stuff. However, after reading Brother Sam Shaman's articles, and they're listed here, one and two, there's links to them, I realized that the Quran, the Hadith, which is another unholy Islamic writing, and Muslim scholars' writings state that a Muslim husband can engage in sex with a child bride before her first menses. Further, Muhammad actually did just this. He had intercourse with Aisha prior to her first menses. So, my comment, and this, and this is what they would openly admit to. Who knows what really happened? <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, you're, like, like the historical writings are going to actually, if they admit to that much, what did they really do? You know? Like, we're supposed to think these, these, these devil, demon-possessed Muslims that do this are, are honorable people? And they're going to let the infidel know what they really do? I don't think so. <laughs> We're only getting probably a very small percentage of the story here. I mean, they to openly admit in the in these Islamic writings that, that Muhammad took Aisha as his wife when she was six. Okay, now this is the guy that, you know, you say anything against him and the whole Middle East will riot like they did with that stupid trailer movie. This pedophilic, lying, murderous devil is the one that is the what they base their whole devil cult religion off. A pedophile that, that married Aisha when she was six and it was his favorite wife. We're talking one sick devil here. We're talking demon-possessed to the toenails. Okay? And he's the one that invented this whole, or at least gave it legitimacy. And, and even though that they had worshipped the same moon god in pagan Arab in, in the pagan Arab times before Muhammad, you know, ever came on the scene, but he was the one that basically narrowed it down to the to you know uh, Allah, who is the moon god, and um, they had 365 gods that one god for every day of the year, 360. I'm sorry. And in the Kaaba, he, he knocked all of them down but one, and the one he left standing was Allah. And this is why they say they're monotheistic. They worship one They worship one pagan god. Okay, sorry. They worship one fallen angel pagan god. So this is how they legitimize themselves and call themselves monotheistic. And then they try to say they worship the same god as Christians, and they don't. It's the moon god, Allah. It's always been. It's total paganism, 100%. So, the increase in weight and the scope of my argument 
places Muhammad and Islam in a far darker, more disreputable light. Many Muslims don't know this, and by their own standards, Muhammad did the wrong thing in having sex with a child. In other words, there's some Muslims out there that don't know all of these verses. And they wouldn't even do these things, even though it is permitted according to the Islamic unholy books. I call them unholy. They would call them holy. I call them unholy. Muslims have to answer for their continued support for Muhammad. When children are allowed to be used for sex, then that is pedophilia. So why do they support the creator and the establishment of a system that entrenches the abuse and sexual exploitation of children? I I played the, the start also of that Dancing Boys of Afghanistan for you. I mean, BBC went over there and documented the whole thing. And these are the Muslims that can afford to buy these little boys that come out dressed up as women and dance around like little women and all these men get all worked up in the wrong kind of way and they're like, oh, I'll, I'll, buy, the, I'll buy the little white-skinned boy so I can take him home or, or and if they have enough money, they can just buy him outright. And it's like their little um, sex toy that they have, that they use. That's how they view them. It's beyond disgusting, sickening, satanic. I don't know what else you want to say. But that's how, what they do. And it's well known, you know, this is what they, they do in Afghanistan. And I'm sure they do it many other places. It's just, it just happened to be the place they documented it. And as Islam bears its true teeth more and more and more, just like the Catholics have their pedophile priests, Islam is going the, the pedophilia that goes on in Islam will become, I really believe, more and more blatant and hopefully well known. And this is a whole other thing with the pedophilia. I've given you the, the stories on, on all this horrific stuff that they do to children. Surely you realize that for children exposed to the Islamic death cult, there are painful ramifications behind Muhammad's actions. Meaning, if they follow Muhammad and they said Muhammad was was marrying a six-year-old, then, hey, it's okay for me to have one because I'm going to follow my leader. They need to be, this, this needs to be discussed in detail and context. It might be offensive to some, but it needs to be discussed. Now, there, I don't get into this any further today. I just give you the links to the various parts of this story. And um, there's a whole link here. Um of all the things that I just went into, okay, I'm not even going to restate them again, but all of the stuff about Aisha and Muhammad and the whole thing about pedophilia, there's different links to different parts of this thing that go into detail about each part of this subject. Islam needs to be exposed to the fullest extent because it is pure, pure evil. And right on cue, I saw a story this week on CNN, of all places, entitled, The Terrifying World of Child Brides. Devastating images showing girls young enough to be in preschool who are married off to pedophilic older men. And now, these are HD, high-definition pictures of these unions. Okay, not anything inappropriate, but obviously it is inappropriate. And this was on CNN. This might be why you really want to, if you want to follow along with the PDF, you want to do it now. At age 11, Ghulam was married off to a 40-year-old 
named Jayaz in a rural Afghan village. Imagine that Afghanistan where he just talked about the other thing. Boy, they, I would hate to be a child there. God bless those poor little things. Making her only making her only one of more than 10 million young girls who are being forced to wed older men to be their um, uh, to be their fathers or grandfathers every year. Old enough to be their fathers or grandfathers every year. In an effort to start global conversation about the devastating effects of early marriages, which are currently practiced in more than 50 developing countries, October 11th is now known as the International Day of the Girl Child this year. Now, one thing I don't like, they're yoked up with the United Nations. Obviously, this is CNN. And obviously, the United Nations is ultimately going to do nothing about this. I don't blame I mean, If it's wicked, they're going to be behind it. But they like to make a good show. You know, so this would be something to, you know, as far as prayer and and getting real Christian organizations to stop this wickedness and evil. Because, again, this is just more fruit of Islam that I document almost now just about every week. To mark the occasion and draw attention to the problem of child brides, photojournalist Stephanie Sinclair teamed up with National uh, Geographic to create a series of heartbreaking photos depicting girls as young as five. Being married to much older men in countries like India, Yemen, Ethiopia, and elsewhere. Here's a picture of disturbing Fayez, 40. And I'll tell you what, this guy looks really rough for 40. Okay. And Ghulam, anyway, um, has shown Taylor, I said, this guy looks, I'm like, 40? I'm like, wow, the guy looks like he's like, I don't know, really, really old. But 40, and then Ghulam, who is 11 years old, and she looks about as miserable as you could look, sitting in their home prior to their wedding in the rural Damarta village of Afghanistan on September 11, 2005. I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, these guys have forfeited the right to live. I mean, these guys are hardcore, disgusting, sick, vile pedophiles. But yet, you know, in their culture, oh, this is permitted. Why? Because their culture is so wicked that wickedness, evil is called good and good is called evil. That's why you have, a, you have any country, as they degenerate into wickedness, evil would be called good and good would be called evil. And we have a lot of that going on in the United States. But here it's more, you know, right there in the open. I mean, 11-year-old girl. This guy looks old enough to be her, at least her grandfather, biologically is old enough to be her grandfather. I just, it's, it's beyond sickening. Here's another one. Miners from Tarani. Uh, Tarani, front, she's eight years old. Eight years old, is seen with her husband, 27. I just want to, I, I just, ugh, I just want to reach through the picture and wring their necks. I'm sorry, but I get really righteous and indignant when I see little girls being, knowing what's going what's happening to them, and they're being defiled, I just really, really, really get righteous and indignant. And we're supposed to get righteous and indignant about this type of stuff. Be angry and sin not. It's, it's the sinning not that's hard. I'll be honest. Because I instantly want to defend these poor little things, and I can't do a thing about it, other than expose it and pray against it. You know? Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. It is abs- I mean, why would a guy want to be with an eight-year-old? An eight-year-old? Or a five-year-old? I mean, you've got to be one sick devil. I don't care what you're... Ju- I don't- you've got to be demon-possessed of the toenails. I'm sorry. 
But but yeah, uh, and then her former classmate Gada is in the eight. She's also eight years old, and she's with her and with her husband. It, it almost looks like a joke. It's almost like you look at this and you're like, this, this can't be real. But it is. It is real. Here's another one. Now these are these are girls in Yemen that are vulnerable. Young girls sit inside a home at in Yemen. Now Yemen is is now I, I posted the pictures of the Muslims. Now there were other pictures on there, but predominantly these were Muslims. I, and um, not to say this doesn't go on. It goes on in India, in other places where let's say they might not be Muslim, but the dominant areas is Islam. And Yemen is is a is a predominantly Islamic, radical, radical Islamic country, and there's these little girls there. Oh, that's just sickening. How could you do this? I mean, I just it doesn't even compute to me. But I mean, this is they got Mister Goody Two Shoes or whatever. But it's just I'm like I don't I don't get it. Anyway, although child marriage is against the law in many countries and international treaties forbid the practice, it is estimated that about 51 million girls below the age of 18 are currently married, often under the cover of darkness and in secret. In Afghanistan alone, it is believed that approximately 57... Afghanistan again. Remember the dancing boys I just talked about? And in 57% of the girls wed in Afghanistan are below... The age of 16. You know. Evil begets evil. Various factors drive parents of child brides to marry off their daughters. From the community's pressure to confirm, conform to an age-old cus- cultural customs to economic considerations. In poor developing countries, it is not uncommon for families to settle debts by offering their daughters as payment. Uh, anyway, uh, I just you know, yeah, I gotta can't pay my car off, so here's my daughter. I, I'm sorry, that just doesn't compute to me. Uh, besides India, where girls are usually wed to boys who are only a couple years older, a couple years their senior, which obviously you're only dealing with a couple years here, okay? In India, everywhere else, the husbands may be decades older and these are predominantly Muslim countries, then they're prepubescent betrothed. It is not uncommon for men to kidnap girls and rape them before first tying the knot. I mean, you could just look at these, these old devils, and I mean, you could just see, they're, they're just totally demon-possessed. Here's one, a really sick one. Shocking, portrait of Saeed. He's 55 years old. To his 8-year-old bride, Roshan, on the day of their engagement. And she's sitting there and she's got a big smile on her face. She don't know what's coming. Guaranteed she don't know what's coming. And this old demon-possessed devil who needs to be thrust down to hell, he's just sitting there, you know, all proud. Now, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I seriously doubt that many of these, these devils, if they're that evil, they can get saved. I'm not saying God can't do it. I'm not saying I wouldn't pray for them to get saved, but... Not too many pedophiles, I believe, will, will get saved. You know, if narrow the be the way that leads to life eternal, few there be that find it. I would imagine it's a lot more narrow for pedophiles. You know, you know, if, if Jesus said it's better that, that a millstone be hung about your neck and you be cast into the midst of the sea, than you offend one of these little ones that believeth on me, I seriously doubt there's going to be a lot of pedophiles. 
getting converted. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I'm saying I, I would I would venture to say it's very very few. So yeah, this guy's 55 years old, married to an eight year old. Here's a 14 year old girl with her two children, two children. Washes her new baby girl at her home in Hajath, where with her as her two year old daughter plays beside her. So you do the math, she started having kids when she was 12, or 11, you know, in that time range. A 14-year-old with two kids? It's just unbelievable, the the wickedness that exists on this planet. It truly is. Since 2003, Sinclair has been traveling to remote corners of the world in countries to document weddings of child brides and their transformation into young mothers in the hope of giving them a voice and raising awareness of the problem, which I am all for. In many cases, the girls are lorded over by their husbands and in-laws, leaving them vulnerable to domestic violence as well as physical, sexual, and verbal abuse. Underage wives who are lucky enough to escape from their husbands, end up living in poverty or worse. Some turn to prostitution after they escape from their husbands to earn a meager income and enter the brothels where they are subjected to even worse horrific abuse. So these poor things that would finally get out of these relationships will a lot of times have to turn to prostitution just in order to, because their families probably reject them at that point. I feel so sorry for them. I have such compassion for them because it's like they got nowhere to turn. Can you imagine those poor things? I mean, what, what are they? I mean, women are treated like garbage in those third world Muslim societies anyway. And a lot of the, the Islamic and Hindu and Buddhism, oh, it's just horrific. Here's a picture that, oh, this is a really, really bad one. Gruesome. It's entitled Gruesome. Police woman um, arrests Janan, who is 35, after he tried to kill his 15-year-old wife, Jamila, for angering him by fleeing her home to stay with her mother following years of abuse. So this 15-year-old, who's got blood, she's in one of the full burkas, where, I mean, you don't even see her eyes, and she's literally got a covering over her eyes. She's been abused for years, so she tries to get over it. She's been with this guy for years, so how no, I mean, well, maybe she got married when she was 10, I don't know. He tried to kill her. And the, and the police had to come. <laughs> I have a real hard time with men that beat women. Got a real tough one with that one. I I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for it. I really don't. I really don't. Oh, I tell you, I be angry and sin not. It's all I can say. You try to kill a woman, a fifteen-year-old girl that you've abused for years. Whoo! It's very fortunate I'm not God. That's all I can tell you. Very fortunate for them. I'm not God. Mm, I, I got. I just this stuff really, mm. and it shows this guy, and he's just got this look of arrogance and disdain, and you can just see the devils coming off the guy. We hear this poor girl's her arms 
totally blood all over. He just tried to kill her. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, most girls who enter early marriages are expected to get pregnant right away. Which often leads to tragedy for both the mothers who are still children. These are children. They're children. And they're trying to get them pregnant. You sick devils from the pits of hell who have your conscience seared with a hot iron, turned over to a reprobate mind. You can only do evil if you would do such a thing. This often leads to tragedy for both mothers who are still children themselves and for their babies. Adolescent wives are more likely to have obstructed labor because their bodies have not fully developed yet. These poor little things, their bodies aren't even developed and these sick, disgusting pedophiles are trying to get them pregnant. Babies having babies. Isn't that disgusting? Statistics show that pregnancy death for child brides is double than that of women women in their 20s, according to Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting. Unless steps are taken to reverse this troubling trend, it is estimated that over the next decade, 100 million more girls, or about 25,000 a day, will marry before they turn 18. It's not like it's a little trivial problem here. 100 million more girls, on top of the 51 million that are there now, so I'm trying to get the word about this, to, to pray against this wickedness, to expose it, to expose the devices of Satan. To learn more about the campaign and the practices of marriages, there's a link here. And here's a girl, oh, so sad. Her name's Gulam. She's 11 years old. She says a prayer with a male family member to cement her engagement to Faiz, who's 40. And it's funny because the only time you see any of them smiling is like on the, like the day of their engagement. Or they're they're probably <laughs> they're probably uh, given the the whole um, primrose path story. Oh, this is going to be wonderful for you. What a wonderful life you're going to have. And then you see them afterward, and the miserable expressions, lifeless, soulless expressions on their faces. The only time I saw any of them smiling is, is, is right before their engagement because they probably think this is going to be a great thing. Because, they, again, they've, they've been fed a bill of goods. Anyway, if you want to see these pictures, you know, uh, definitely click on this. And here, here's, an, here's more fruit of the Muslims. Next article. 30 Christian students reportedly massacred by Muslims at Northern Nigerian College. This is just one of the many reports that comes out all the time. This wonderful fruit of this Islamic religion. According to Open Door sources, Open Doors, this ministry, Boko Haram, which is an Islamic militant group, invaded the off-campus hostel of Federal Polytechnic College in northern Nigeria October 1st, allegedly separating Muslim students from Christians, and massacred up to 30 Christian students. According to Voice of America, the students were systematically slaughtered after being individually questioned. Hey, you're an infidel, you die. That's, that's Islam at its root. Open Door reports that the parents and families of the victims are in mourning and in, quote, indescribable pain. God bless them. May the love of Jesus Christ flood them 
And may He comfort them and may He protect them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may He send legions of angels to encamp around about them and go before them to prepare the way. God bless them. Open Doors is calling on Christians in the West to bear the horrific burden of our brothers and sisters in Mumbai and Adamwa State in Nigeria. It is becoming a killing field. This is where Islam is becoming, showing its true colors, man. According to Associated Press, Boko Haram, which is this Islamic militant group, has been responsible for almost 700 deaths this year, and it's probably way more than that. Many of those 700 victims are Christians. Boko Haram's stated aim is to drive all Christians out of Nigeria and set up Sharia law in all of Nigeria. That's what their their goal is every place they go. Every place, including America. They'll do the same thing here if they're allowed to get to high enough numbers. They'll, do the, they'll try to do the exact same thing. You, they, they repeat the process, they have a game plan, and they repeat the process everywhere they go. And I've even went over the percentages of when they get in like 1-2% to 2% of the population, 3-5%, to 7-10, to 10, and what they'll do every step of the way. They're all, it's all calculated every time. They're pure evil. Now I give you all, a ton of the teachings I've done exposing Islam right here. The links. Islamic Muslim agenda debauchery exposed. Islamic Muslim hypocrisy exposed. Uh, the double face of Islam. Uh, just a whole bunch of teachings if, if, you don't, if you're not aware of the true evil of this cult. Okay, and on to our next article. I think we're going to be able to fit. Well, I'm already on page 22, believe it or not, of this 24-page report because of all the pictures. So, um... This uh, next article, I think it's our last, which relates to the whole Islam thing. Chrislam, which is a the new religious movement in you know America, where we're combining Islam and apostate Christianity together into one big happy hellish combination. Chrislam's reprobate Rick Warren partnering with mosques to teach that God Almighty and Allah are the same. So don't worry, Rick Warren's got your back when it comes to Islam and Christianity. You know, he would never lead you wrong. Here's a big picture of him with uh, uh, his arms outstretched. And Rick Warren, CFR member, um, which he's openly admitted to, Council of Foreign Relations, which, you know, have as their logo as a horse and a naked guy on the horse holding his hand up. Like kind of an almost a Heil Hitler type way. One of the most wicked organizations, globalist, elite um, populations on the planet. He's a member, CFR. Here's another picture of him speaking at an Islamic uh, convention. And he's in front of an Islamic podium. And he has been the... But one of his main thrusts is really to, to unify Islam and Christianity. So Rick Warren, member in good standing of the CFR. Here's a quote by Rick Warren. When you write the best-selling book in the world for the past three years... So again, there's no shortage of ego here. Uh, When you write the best-selling book in the world for the last three years, that changes your life. 10% of America's churches have engaged in the 40 Days of Purpose, which is this whole stupid book he wrote, um, programs, and have spread to secular organizations as well. And, And it would just show you that the book is so 
lukewarm, watered-down, and non-offensive. And Christianity is offensive. True Bible-believing Christianity is offensive. So, But this book is so unoffensive and so watered-down and, and lukewarm and satanic that even secular sports teams and major corporations such as Ford, Walmart, and Coca-Cola, not to mention the military, have adopted it. And he, he acts like, you know, that's, that's further proof that, you know. <laughs> Next quote. This was a group email to Saddleback sent by Pastor Rick on September 17, 2005. Dear Saddleback family, this week I shared part of the message in New York City where I spoke at the United Nations and also to the Council on Foreign Relations, to which he's a member. See, these... Council of Foreign Relations, United Nations, this, this is like his poster child. He's like at the tip of the spear for bringing about the one world religion, but particularly his role that he plays in this whole thing. His role that he plays is um, primarily bringing unity with Christianity and really, as of late, Islam. Because I, I think that from a New World Order standpoint, they realize the vast chasm that would exist with Christianity and Islam. And obviously, Islam states in its doctrines, and we're going to look at those again, that, you know, you're supposed to kill the infidel and slay the infidel and lie to the infidel and rape and pillage and do whatever you want to the infidel, which would be a Christian or any non-Islamic person, but particularly Christians and Jews, who they really like to focus on. And so, obviously, there's a huge chasm there, and, and he's trying to unite these two religious systems together. And I don't mean, mean true Bible-believing Christianity. I'm, I'm talking about apostate, reprobate, pseudo-Christianity, and Islam. So, going further, his next quote, this was uh, a group email to Saddleback, his church, sent by Pastor Rick... November 25th, 2005. And it says, quote, Dear Saddleback family, no matter where I've been invited to speak, I, I love how this guy not so subtly blows his own horn at every chance he gets. You know? Um, wherever I've been invited to speak. To Congress, to the Davos World Economic Forum, a totally wicked thing. At Harvard and Oxford and Cambridge, totally, you know, New World Order. <laughs> look, look, I mean, the two of those colleges Obama went to. Uh, Harvard and Oxford and, and Cambridge, to the United Nations, I mean, again, the, the spear tip of the coming one world government, political system, economic system, and religious system, the United Nations, to the Foreign Affairs Council, uh, from rabbis at universities of Judaism, to Muslim leaders in the Middle East, from urban gays to rural cowboys, my message is unchanged. Yes, his message of of one world, unity, and, and absolute apostate, lukewarm Christianity, ultimately to serve the Antichrist, has not changed. He's right. It's, it's very clear where this devil stands. So, next quote. A letter from Rick Warren to Joseph Farah. This is a big one. As a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and Oxford Analytica, I might know much about the Middle East as you. He was saying this to Joseph Farrah um, at World Daily Net. So, he admitted right there he was a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. Uh, America's pastor, Rick Warren, Warren, rarely misses an opportunity to highlight the sales of his books or influence of his, quote, peace 
plan. And it's a five-part plan that I've detailed in other ones. Uh, I've give you the links I've done, uh, the teachings I've done exposing this devil as well at the end of this uh, PDF. Uh, but his latest boast to Joseph Farah at World Daily Net that we just read reveals a depth of deception that demands both a sober response and a public warning. And it begs answers to the following questions. Why would the globalist Council on Foreign Relations invite a, quote, Christian pastor to join its semi-secret, totally anti-Christian organization? Well, because they want to obviously destroy Christianity and people like Rick Warren and the people at the top of the food chain in modern day quote pseudo-Christian circles are being used to do that. How might Rick Warren benefit the elite Oxford Analytica, which is a UK-based strategic consulting firm? Reminds me a lot of Chuck Missler. A lot of the same kind of creepy, eerie big-time globalist associations. And if you don't believe that, just key in Missler in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com because that's been proven beyond a shadow of the doubt. His unbelievably horrific associations that go way back from his own bio. You know? So, anyway. Uh, you have to understand, anybody at very high-level ministerial uh Connections and, and, and people in, in high-level uh, ministries. Most of those ministries are totally corrupted. I mean, you, you just—it's rampant. It's not like most of the ministries are good. They're not. They're not good. Most of them are not. The vast majority are not. And again, always compare what they do with the Word of God and, and research, you know, and see what the fruit of that ministry has been or where their stances are. And, and many times it's. Horrifically obvious what's going on there. Now, it's harder nowadays because there's a lot of new people on the block. And there's a lot of new people nobody have had a chance to really explore or, or go after. And, 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 you know, and so it's becoming harder and harder with a lot of the newer ones that pop up here. So, uh, going further... So it reveals a depth of deception that demands both a sober response and public warning. And it begs the answer to these public puzzling questions. How might Rick Warren benefit the Oxford Analytica, and which is a UK-based strategic consulting firm that works with globalist power brokers such as J.P. Morgan, the Aspen Institute, and the World Bank? <laughs> He's one of them. Absolutely 100% one of them. Lately, Rick Warren has decided to spend his time and wealth promoting the hybrid Chrislam religion. Uh, here's a link you can click on to read about Rick Warren's beginnings in Chrislam. And I've, I've documented that, and I'll give you my teachings I've done. From World Daily Net, we read, The Reverend Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church and one of America's most influential Christian leaders, has embarked on an effort to heal divisions between evangelical Christians and Muslims by partnering with Southern California mosques and proposing a set of theological principles that, in, that includes acknowledging that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Now, Muslims eat this up because they're, all they're trying to do is get to a point where they're in enough, uh, from a percentage-wise of the population, in, in enough power in government where they can take over and implement Sharia law and um, do what they do best, which is kill, rape, pillage, lie, steal, destroy, and force convert. And again, it's all in the Quran. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what they're supposed to do. 
according to Islam. You know, if they're being fundamental to their faith, that's what they're supposed to do. Now, so his, what Rick's been trying to do is heal the divisions. There's nothing that can be healed. I mean, this is a, this is a works-based black death cult that is, its fruit is just beyond horrific. And yet, he wants to heal. It's something that can never be healed. Period. If if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This has been a corrupt, evil cult from its very inception with Muhammad and the whole worship of the moon god Allah. You can't you can't correct you you can't undo that. You can't correct that. You can't heal that. It is satanic. So what does the Bible have to say? Well, Ephesians five eleven says, "And have no fellowship." With the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, I have documented over and over the unfruitful works of darkness of this death cult. Over and over and over again. We're not supposed to have fellowship with them. Okay? It's one thing to lead a Muslim to the Lord. It's another thing to have fellowship with them and go there and placate them and act like, yeah, we're just one big happy family. How are you doing them any favors? They're just thinking, well, what I'm doing is right. Evidently, if, if a Christian really believed that it was wrong, then they would maybe say something. No, they're, they're, they're telling me what I basically want to hear. That we're all worshiping the same God. You're not doing them any favors. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And that word means to make, and then it says to make manifest, to, to shed light on, to reprove, to shed light, to expose. That's what I've attempted to do. Regarding Islam and a ton of other subjects. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's what I would say to Rick Warren. Like he would ma- like it would matter. I mean, he's just of his father the devil and of his lust and of his works he will do. Okay, but we're not... Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We're not supposed to go and, and yoke up and say we all worship the same God and, you know... It's, it's absolutely wrong. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Islam is total darkness. And what concord, meaning agreement, hath Christ with Belial, or the devil, Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth, believe it on the Lord Jesus Christ, with an infidel? See, they would refer to us as an infidel. But they're the true infidels. Islamic people that believe in that are infidels. They're not, they're not believers in true Bible-believing Christianity. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with them. Buddying up with them, slapping on the back, telling them what they want to hear for the sake of making peace. Jesus Christ said, Think, that, think not that I came to bring peace, but a sword. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. I mean, that's what the Bible says. The, 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 um, the gospel is divisive. It's exclusive. It doesn't, it's not like all of the other hodgepodge religions in the world that basically all believe that, you know, now it's coming to the point where they all believe that we're all just going to heaven, but we're just pursuing different paths. That's garbage. You're either going to heaven or hell. And all of these works-based death cult religions out there, and I don't care what kind of ism you want to put on it, they're all taking you to hell. Bible-believing Christianity with no, and I'll put no denominational label on it, is, is the only path 
to heaven. That's it. And they, um, yet they insist, Rick Warren insists on yoking up with them and basically telling them what they want to hear and being politically correct and making sure that we don't offend them. While they're slaughtering and massacring Christians, and dare I say many of them are probably very true Christians over in third world countries in Africa and other places. And, and obviously, too, like I said, Coptic Christians and Catholics and people that aren't even saved, and that's really tragic. That's what Islam is once it gets to a certain percentage level in society where they can get away. If they can get away with it, they'll do it. They'll do it. But they'll play real nice and, and, and come you know, very subtly and very, very meekly until they get to the point where they can really show their true intentions. And that's what they have planned for America. And anywhere else where they can get their, sink their um, claws into. And an effort informally dubbed, an, the effort informally dubbed as King's Way caps years of outreach between Rick Warren and the Muslims. Warren has broken Ramadan fasts at a Mission Hill mosque, met Muslim leaders abroad, and addressed 8,000 Muslims at a national convention in Washington, D.C. Saddleback worshippers have invited Muslims to Christmas dinner and played interfaith soccer at a picnic in Irving, California by more than 300 people. The game pitted pastors and imams their, their version of a pastor, against teens of both faiths. The teens won. Well, you know, hey, they're probably in better shape. They're younger. The effort by a prominent Christian leader to bridge what um, polls show is a deep rift between Muslims and evangelical Christians c- culminated in December at a dinner at Saddleback attended by 300 Muslims and members of Saddleback Congregation. I mean, this is just absolutely 100% biblically disgusting what they're doing here. This is so sickening. Now, let me let me remind you what the Quran says about this type of union. Now, you have to understand, the Quran says, make friends of the unbelievers till the time where you can basically destroy them and overtake them and subdue them. Do what you got to do to advance the, the agenda of Islam. Come as a sheep. But you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's what they're supposed they're supposed to do. Okay, so the Quran says in um, verse five fifty one, and there's a link here to it. O ye who believe, take not the Jews and the Christians for friends. They are friends one to another. He among you who taketh them for friends is one of them. Lo, Allah guideth not the wrongdoing folk. Now, remember, this is a fake friendship on Islam's part. They're not really our friends, okay? Maybe some of these are lukewarm Muslims and they really don't know the difference. Maybe they haven't read the Quran. Fine, okay. I'll, I'll give the, I'll give you that. But the people at the top of the food chain, Islamically speaking, have no problem with this at all. Until which time, because they know nobody from Saddleback's going to convert them. Lukewarm as they come. I mean, Rupert Murdoch goes to this church. One of the most evil, wicked men on the planet. And, and Rick Warren's his pastor. You know, pornography, empire, the whole nine yards. So, it's not like this church is going to have any kind of, of real serious Christian influence on an Islamic person. They, they don't have to worry about, in other words, they don't have to worry about Saddleback Church converting any of their Islamic people. That's not going to happen. Okay? 
What else does the Quran say? Well, Surah 3360 says, Allah has cursed the unbelievers. That would be you and I, particularly Christians and Jews, and proposed them for a blazing hell. I think that Rick Warren should have read these verses dur- during this big interfaith meeting <laughs> and kind of maybe got, took, took some, took some question, Q&A answer. Hey, what, what do you guys think about these verses in the Quran? I mean, come on. What do you think about this one? Surah 41.14. Unbelievers are enemies of Allah and they will roast in hell. Do I have any, you know, hands going up? Come on. What, what, do, we, what do we say here? How do we, how do we feel? How does that make you feel deep inside? You know? What about this, what about this verse? Surah 9.123. Fight unbelievers who are near you. See, that's when the time comes though. They're not quite there yet. They haven't, they haven't gained enough of a foothold. Now, when those sleeper cells go hot, when World War III starts, and I believe those sleeper cells that are all throughout America, that have, they've openly admitted exist, they've existed for decades, that have been planning on waging war against the Americans and against the infrastructure of America. They're going to pollute waterways. They're going to pollute wells. They're going to set off dirty nuke bombs. They're going to release biological agents. They're going to do anything they can do to destroy and dismantle and physically destroy the people of America. Even if it means destroying themselves with it. Because, I mean, hey, they're, they get to be with their 72 virgins and their white-skinned boys in their version of paradise, right? <laughs> You know, well, the f- problem is, is once they die and they plunge into a blazing hell that they say is destined for us, they're going to realize they worshipped and served a devil the whole their whole life. I pray to God their eyes get open. I really do. But they're going to realize it the hard way then. Here, here's another version of uh, Surah 9.123. Believers make war on the infidels, that's an unbeliever in Islam, who dwell around you. Let them find harshness in you. Another source reads, ye who believe, murder those who disbelieve. See, that's what their, their actual real commission is. And that's exactly what they do. As we just documented, 30 innocent Christians killed in Nigeria for no reason other than that they're Christians. Well, why? Because that's exactly, exactly the verses I just read. They were being fundamental to the faith and they did exactly what the Quran told them to do. They were being good Islamic devils. Fundamental to the faith. The Ayatollah Khomeini, who dedicated his entire life to studying Islam, now this is the the same Ayatollah Khomeini who I I told you the story about how um, one of the, um, and they probably admitted this, one of the, uh, um, of his adherents, he had went to his house one night and he saw his three-year-old daughter. He says, I, I want to take your, your three-year-old daughter for a temporary marriage. And he went in there and raped her the whole night. Her little screams coming from the room. And, and evidently, it warmed the cockles of the, the father's heart because he was proud that he had given his daughter over to this disgusting pedophilic maggot for the whole night while he could have his way with her. This is the same Ayatollah Khomeini that did that. And this is, I'm sure he went around and did it everywhere, wherever he could. Because they view them almost like in this godlike status where they can go around, they can have these temporary, and then they divorce them in the morning. So they defile, and they basically just ruined this, this little girl for the rest of her life. Demonically infused her with devils. Because it's from a satanic standpoint, that's, they, they know that if they can have um, uh, sexual relations with the child, that is how they infuse them with devils. 
You know, it's, it's a proven fact that people that are gay were, um, uh, most of the time they were abused by a same-sex partner, particularly the men, at a very early age. And then all of a sudden, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it odd that they turn out to be demon-infested because being a sodomite or, or being in that homosexual lifestyle is a very demonic thing. They're infusing them with devils. They know from an occultic standpoint that is the that is the main way if you want to defile somebody, if you want to get them on the road to Satan, you sexually defile them at the earliest possible age. And this is what Islam does. You know? The Ayatollah Khomeini, who dedicated his entire life to studying Islam, said that non-Muslims, especially Christians and Jews, rank somewhere between feces and the sweat of a camel that is consumed in pure food. I'm quoting. Okay, so this maggot is going to tell me what I am. And he's the one going around defiling little three-year-olds and acting like he is Mr. Morality and has the moral high ground and that all the infidels need to die. And he's going to give me a morality lesson. He says we're Christians and Jews rank somewhere between feces and the sweat of a camel that is consumed in pure food. No wonder that the Quran dehumanizes non-Muslims, ascribing them as animals and beasts. This is what the, the Quran says about us. Okay, why didn't Rick Warren read all this? I think it would have. I, I think it would have uh, really been good. I, I mean, if they would have had me as a guest speaker, I could have injected a little bit of truth into the dialogue here. I, you know, and if I would have said this, I could say, can anybody, can anyone deny these verses from the Quran? I'm reading from your unholy book, Mister Muslim. Can you deny that the Quran says this? I'm reading straight from it. How can you refute it? It's right from your own sources. <laughs> you know, truth is a, you know, the truth stands on its own merit. I mean, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. And then, here's another one, uh, another verse from the Quran, and these are all hot linked to different, the, the links where they come from. This is 98, I believe Surah 98.6. It says, those who reject truth among the people of the book. Now, the Quran specifically refers to the people of the book in many, many spots. And that's Christians and Jews. Okay, that's who they refer to as the people of the book. Okay, so those who reject truth, which would be Islam, among the people of the book... And among the polytheists, meaning just the, the polytheists, many, the, the ones that worship many gods, will be in hellfire to dwell therein. They are the worst of creatures. That's what the Quran says about us. Okay, here's another one. Uh, I believe Surah 855. Surely the vilest of animals in Allah's sight are those who disbelieve. Verse 7, 176 compares unbelievers to, quote, panting dogs with regard to their idiocy and worthlessness. Verse 7, 179 says they are like cattle, only worse. Verse 560 even says that Allah transformed the Jews of the past into apes and pigs. Isn't that funny that that's what evolution Part of what evolution kind of talks about, and, and it's the whole premise why Hitler, in his eugenics program, who was a big follower of Charles Darwin, viewed the Jews as the lowest on the food chain. They were the closest to the apes as far in the evolution, and that's why they had to be eliminated, because they had to create the Aryan God-man, the fifth root race, as they termed it. 
And the Jews could not have any part in that because they were they were the lowest on the evolu- evolutionary food chain. Therefore, they had to be eliminated, like you would like you would purge a a diseased part of the body. That's why they killed them and had no remorse. When you believe in evolution, that's the natural byproduct. That's how you're going to start thinking. We're just animals, you know. So, um, in Hadith, Bukhari 54, 524, it says that Muhammad believed rats to be, quote, mutated Jews. And this is coming from Mr. Pedophile himself, Muhammad, you know, who, who we know of took uh, Aisha at six to be his wife. And, and, and he's going to give us a morality lesson here. I find that rather ironic. Ayatollah Khomeini going to give me a morality lesson. I mean, they, they should just go around with arm badges that says ML, morale, or MP, morality police. You know, it's like Ted Bundy giving me a, 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 a lesson on ethics or something. You know? It's just unbelievable. Yeah, or, or, or let's say Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, and Mao Zedong giving me like a lesson on the sanctity of life. <laughs> you know, I mean, mass murderers. Here's a from a source called Stand Up for the Truth. This past Sunday, a major ship shift was announced in Pastor Rick Warren at his Saddleback Church in Orange County, California, that has many Christian leaders concerned. As Saddleback hosted its Quote, celebration of Jesus, attended by a number of Muslim communities in Southern California, something theologically significant happened at the dinner portion of the event. Only a select number of people were invited to the dinner. A document one year in the making was presented which encourages Christians and Muslims to, quote, appreciate the similarities of our faiths. Similarities. Yeah, I've went over the similarities. Hopefully we've made that abundantly clear. Here's from uh, Time, I believe Time Magazine, out of Washington. To find some of his fellow conservative Christian critics, Rick Warren, one of the most prominent religious leaders in the country, told several thousand American Muslims on Saturday that the two largest faiths on the planet must work together to combat stereotypes and solve global problems. We've, we've, we've made this abundantly clear. There, there's no common ground here. None. None. You know, if Rick Warren really had a true love for the Muslims, he'd tell them the truth. But then again, he wouldn't be at the position that he's in because his his United Nations handlers have made sure that he's in that exact position so that he can lukewarm, water down, destroy Christianity uh, as much as, you know, Satan will permit that. So, another one uh, from Jin... Jim Hinch, he said, Saddleback Church in Orange County, California, home to Super Pastor Rick Warren, um, has joined forces with Southern California mosques to adopt a three-step plan for ending enmity, meaning war, between Christian evangelical Christians and Muslims. The plan's first step calls for Muslims and Christians to recognize they worship the same God. You sick devils. We do not worship the same God. I do not worship Allah, the moon God. Interfaith reconciliation has been proceeding for years for, for, between Muslims and more liberal-leaning mainline Protestant denominations. The, these pathetic, sickening, little lukewarm Christians that would go to these types of churches like Rick Warren, they're, they're, just, they're so spineless. 
for the most part. They're just spineless. They don't want to rock the boat. They just want unity. They just want, and, and the Bible talks about this. All these verses that I go over. And they'll lay down and they'll, they'll be the first to line up for the mark of the beast when it's introduced. These lukewarm Christians. They'll do anything to preserve their own hide. They're all about number one. They'll be, I mean, and they've already, as far as I'm concerned, proven, you know, the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. They've already proven that. By their fruits you shall know them. You know. Here's a slideshow presentation of this King's Way. I believe it's Saddleback. And I'm reading right off the slide. And it says, King's Way describes a path to end the 1400 years of misunderstanding between Muslims and Christians. There's no misunderstanding. I just read you the verses out of the Quran. I've just documented over and over and over and over again the wickedness of Islam. There's no misunderstanding. It's easily documentable. Just very few want to want to broach the subject. Very few want to be unpolitically correct and speak truth. I mean percentage-wise. Not to say there's not a lot of people doing this, but there's very few, percentage-wise. So Kingsway describes a path to end the 1400 years of misunderstanding between Muslims and Christians by consulting the texts we each call sacred in order to form a basis that allows us the privilege to serve the needs of our communities together. What a bunch of satanic garbage. There's no common ground. Why didn't they go over the verses in the Quran I just quoted? How do you reconcile that with the Bible? How, how is that possible? And I, I mean, I left out a ton of them. I've went over them in the past. They pick and choose the verses in the Quran and in the Bible that they want to, the little pet verses that would, that would seem on the surface to be compatible. But again, you have to take the Bible in totality. You have to be able to reconcile all of it together. They don't do that. They'll leave out the verses in the Bible that I quoted, like be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers and reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them. You know, and, and all of these other verses that I could quote, they'll leave those out. And with the Quran, they're going to leave the verses out on the Quran I said, and they're just going to talk about the ones where, you know, Allah appears to be this wonderful, benevolent um, God who, you know, that's, that's the only thing they're going to do. But because people don't read the Bible and are not educated on Islam, they'll accept it hook, line, and sinker. They're trusting in a man. They're trusting in some ministry. And they're not reading the Word of God. And that's why I always try to point people back to the Word of God. Now, I've given you the five teachings I've done here. Rick Warren and Rupert Murdoch, Saddleback's most infamous member. Rick Warren, leading apostate Christianity straight to hell. That was a lighthearted title. Um... Current events, Rick Warren, Obama, and Hillary. And then another one, Rick Warren's latest demonic trap exposed the new health and wellness initiative, promoting tantric sex yoga, meditation, and Reiki, or Reiki, the demonic massage technique. I, and again, I know these are lighthearted. I need to kind of get a little more hardcore with my titles. I understand that. It's, it's a weakness I have. But, um, and then another end-time current event study I did exposing that devil. So I'd say Rick Warren is at the spear tip of deceiving modern day Christianity or lukewarm Christianity regarding Islam. He, like Islam, wants to keep us in the dark about the true nature of Islam until it's too late. Until Islam actually 
goes hot. And the sleeper cells are activated, and the people that they've, you know, by creating an open border on our border states, they've just come straight up. Not only is it the drugs coming up and illegal aliens and this type of thing, but a lot of it, they found all kind of Islamic writings and Quranic things, and it's well known. This is how they get into the country. It's well known. And our government just lets it happen wholesale because they want this to happen. They want all, they want the chaos that is coming. They want the, they want to bring about their order, their order, their new world order out of the chaos that's coming. And Islam will play one significant part in that. Chaos. They are using Islam for this purpose. But in the meantime, they're acting like, oh, Islam's wonderful, and oh, no, it's a religion of peace, and this, and then you've got all of these obvious things going on, the killing, the raping, the slaughtering going on all over the planet, wherever Islam, you know, rears its ugly head. All the stuff I talked today about child brides and the pedophilia and, oh my word, I mean, it's just so wicked and corrupt. And all that's ignored, basically, yeah. It's a religion of peace. Well, we all know that that's not the case. So, uh, that's all I have for today. I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I thank you, Lord God, for letting us come together again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for another teaching. I do pray, God, the truth of this teaching and wherever your truth or your word is being preached worldwide, that you would bless it, that you would give us eyes to see, hearts to receive, and ears to hear, that the truth regarding Islam and our wicked president, Lord, and just all of the truths we've covered would be exposed, Lord, and that that would lead many people to repentance, and that people would pursue the truth, Lord, wherever the truth is, that they would pursue the truth and love the truth and have a love for it, Lord. Have a love for true knowledge. Have a love for true understanding that only you can give and would have a love for your word and most of all, a love for your son, Jesus Christ. And that many would be saved as a result of your actions towards these ends. Because, Lord, these people stay in these cults, they're all going to die and go to hell. I, I pray to God you open their eyes, Lord, I do. Islam, lukewarm Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, wherever these cults exist, Lord, I pray to God that you open their eyes and that they get saved, Lord. And if you have to hang them out over hell, Lord God, in order to get them saved, I pray to God you do that. Whatever it takes, I pray, God, that you intervene in their lives and that they get saved. And that these innocent little children, God, that are being abused and, and defiled in every way, shape, and form, that you would rescue them, Lord God, that you would protect them, that you would save them at the earliest possible age, that your angels would encamp around about them, Lord God, and go before them to prepare the way, that the blood of Jesus Christ would be over them, Lord God, and the fear of God would be upon these wicked, evil people that would come, come against them and try to defile them, God. And Lord God, if you have to destroy them, then may the Lord's will be done. According to Psalm 64, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away, and all men shall fear, and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider of your doing, and the righteous will be glad in the Lord, and trust in you, and all the upright heart would glory. I just pray, Lord God, you do whatever it takes to protect these little ones. And the, and the, and the unborn babies in the womb that are scheduled to be aborted, Lord, and, and, the, and the ones that... I just pray to God you destroy these abortion clinics worldwide, God. I pray to God you destroy this this um, disgusting uh, 
pedophilic, homosexual um, movements that go on worldwide and that you expose all of these cults, Lord. And I understand, Lord, that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. But nevertheless, I pray, Lord God, that those that can be saved would be saved, that you would intervene in their lives, that you would protect the innocent, Lord God, and deliver them, that you bless the body of Christ and my listeners in this ministry and wherever your truth is wor- and word is being preached worldwide, that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our, rede- our Redeemer, and that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.